Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It is always a privilege to open the Lord's Word and to and to share. So a little bit about me. Um, my name is Malin Bruce and I am the school board chair I'm here for our school. And I've been involved in Adventist education and the Adventist church for, for a lot of years. Um, this is uh, over here to the far left is my mother. She's sitting right here. You can wave your hand, Mom. And that's me um, to the far left. And next to me is my brother, Mike. And those of you that might remember Jeannie Gomez, that's her standing next to my mom in the middle. And the little girl in front of Jeannie is Lisa Edwards, who everybody knows. And behind Lisa is her brother, David. And David recently passed away. And for the life of me, I cannot remember who the other lady is and the other, uh, the other two children. But I tried to find a picture of the old church school on, on 3rd Street and, and, and Olive um, in Paso Robles. And I contacted all of my classmates this week and even last week, week before last. And I guess this is a bad time of the year to go through pictures because nobody could produce a picture of the old church school. So I thought, well, I'll just start out with this. Um, my mom was a Sabbath school teacher, and and uh, she taught Sabbath school, and this was us getting out of Sabbath school that day, and I think probably Jeannie and the other lady probably helped um, teach Sabbath school as well, because there were, there were a lot of children at that time. So I think I was about, I think I was about five years old um, when that picture was taken, and uh, when I was five years old, our house burned down. We lived in Atascadero, and our house didn't just burn down, but it burned down to the ground. And we lost everything that we owned, everything that we owned. We were staying the weekend with my grandparents, thankfully. And, and so um, we weren't injured or anything, but when we came back to our house, we had lost everything, everything. And except for maybe some photographs, I guess the, the neighbors went over there and they tried to save as much as they could. And so there were some photographs. I remember when I was a little kid looking at photographs and they all had burnt edges around them. I was like, I wish I had a picture that didn't have burnt edges around it. <laughs> so things were tough at that time. I was in, I, I was in kindergarten and then I had to move to another kindergarten and it wasn't Adventist kindergarten because we didn't have kindergarten at our church school, and I had to wait for my little brother. And so even, even when I left kindergarten, went to the first grade, I had to wait until I was in the second grade, and he was going to be in the first grade, when then we could go to church school. And I could not wait to go to church school. I mean, I could not wait. My, my older siblings were already in church school, and, and there were a lot of kids in the church that were already going to church school, and that's all we heard was, was you know, all the things that happened at church school. And so I couldn't wait to go to church school. And when I finally got an opportunity to go to church school, I mean, it was, it was great. I mean, I can remember trying to, I remember trying to cut classes when I was in kindergarten in the first grade in public school because I just didn't like it. I wanted to go to, I wanted to go to church school. And whenever the bus, we had a bus because the church school was in Paso Robles and we lived in Atascadero. So there was this bus and people, different people took turns driving this bus. And I'm not talking about a little bus, man. This was a big yellow school bus. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. 
we even scraped ice off in the, I mean, literally. We were, we were the, we were the second or the third ones being picked up, and we, we used to scrape ice off the seats in the school bus so we could sit down in the wintertime. That's right. It had a little tiny heater up there by the driver, and I can tell you that heater didn't do anything for the seats in the back of the bus. But it was a lot of fun. The very first church school was started in 1853 by Martha Byington, daughter of future General Conference President John Byington. And the actual official church school was in 1872 in Battle Creek, Michigan, by Goodloe Harper. And that was actually sponsored by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The other one wasn't, wasn't sponsored by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, but you can tell um, how early Adventist education began. Well, I might say also in in that same year, in 1872, no, take that back, in 1874, two years later, in 1874, in Battle Creek, Michigan, they opened the first Adventist college. I don't remember what the name of it was, but how many Adventist schools are there? Now, a lot of people, when you talk about Adventist education, they don't realize how big Adventist education really is. Adventist education is huge. It's worldwide. It is in a total of a hundred different countries around the world, there are over 8,000 educational institutions in those countries, 1.95 million students worldwide. So Adventist education is a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And whenever you look at Adventist education, the one thing that I like to focus on is it's biblical. It's based on the Bible. It was built on the Bible. When the, the, not to go back to the slide, but the very first, uh, the very first um, Advent, very first church school that was that was started there by by the very first Adventists, it was biblically based. It, they they used the Bible as one of their textbooks. Nearly seventy percent of Adventist households live on a combined household income of forty nine thousand dollars or less with nearly 40% making less than $25,000 annually. Now, this is one of the reasons that Adventist education is a struggle for a lot of people. And the reason for this is because there's a lot of people entering the churches that didn't grow up in the Adventist Adventist school. Now, I mentioned that I did go to the Adventist school, but when I was... In the seventh grade, my dad came up to me and dropped this bombshell. And he said, you might as well go to junior high next year in the public school in Atascadero because you're not going to go to academy. And I was like, wow. I want to back up a little bit. My mom was a great supporter of Adventist education, great supporter of church of church and Sabbath school. I mean, every morning, you can pat her on the back after we're all done today. Every morning, every Sabbath morning, she prepared five children for Sabbath school and for church by herself. 
because my mom and my dad, they were what you, what you would call unequally yoked. And my, my dad was not an Adventist, and, and he did not support that. And so my mom did it all by herself. And so when in, in the seventh grade, my mom really didn't, didn't really have anything to say. And, and unfortunately, I had to go to public school. And that was the worst thing that could have ever happened to me was to take me out of church school and put me into a public school. Because I'm a leader, but there were a lot of people there that needed a leader. And I just got in with the, with the, you know, with the crowd. And you know what? It's easy to say, and I hear this all the time. Well, you know what? They have a good, they have a good Christian foundation and, and we worship at home and, and we do this and we do that. And they'll be fine in public school. There's good Christian teachers in public school. They'll be fine. They'll be fine in public school. Well, that was the, that was the case when I was there, but I, I I wasn't. I mean, by the time by the time my eighth grade year ended, I was already out of the church, not going to church anymore. And then and then high school was a you know was a completely different story. In fact, I was out of the church for twenty years. Twenty years I was out of the church. Don't quit praying for children that are out of the church. My grandparents prayed for me for 20 years. 20 years they prayed for me. And praise God, I came back to the church when my grandmother was still alive. And it was, uh, she was the first person I called. First person I called. I called her and, and, and it was a, it was a very rejoiceful moment. 274 schools in 15 years have closed. Over 20,000 students throughout the North America division have been impacted by schools by a school's closure. 274 in the last 15 years. That's sad, isn't it? It is sad. Huh. Wait a minute. Okay. There's this ad, I was, I, I, I'm always reading, I'm always researching, and there's a school in India that has 3,000 students in it. 3,000 students. Only about 100 are Adventists. I found this fascinating. They have so many students that they don't have enough Adventist teachers. So they're using Hindu teachers to teach Adventist children in the non-religious subjects. Why do you think why do you think this is? Why do you think that there are all of these non-Adventist children going to an Adventist school in India? You might think, well, it's probably because there aren't any other schools, any other, any other church schools, any other Christian schools in that area. But that's not the case. There actually are. There's a Catholic school, a large, large Catholic school in that area, and there's also three other non-denominational Christian schools in that area. But the reason that they send their children to Adventist schools is because it's an Adventist school. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for Adventist education. It is the best education that a child can receive. And there's many reasons for that, and we're going to get into those. The cognitive genesis study recently done between 2006 and 2009, they took, they took over 51,000 students and what they did is they, they took their ITBS scores and they, they, they took grades 3 through 11. 
And this is the results of the cognitive genesis study. And if you've never looked at the cognitive genesis study, I invite you to go online and look at the study. This is why all of these children in India, or all these people in India would send their children to an Adventist school over all the other schools. Because they rank in the highest percentile, the Adventist schools. This was 800 different schools in all of our conferences from 2006 to 2009, 51,000 students. And in every grade and in every subject, they ranked in the highest percentile. This is what was represented, was 90% of these schools were public schools. The, the, the study that was done, the cognitive genesis study, would be so they compared Adventist students to 90% Catholic students, 5% non-private or, or private non-Catholic schools, and, um, and 5% private schools. No, I didn't, I didn't say that right. Well, you can see it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Only 30% of Adventist families who have school-aged children send their children to Adventist schools. It's true. It's true. 70%, 70% of Adventist students or Adventist children do not go to Adventist schools. 70%. And it's been that way a long, long time. A long time. Only 25% of Adventist families have school-aged children. So that, that's a problem in itself. There's a study recently done by this guy named Christian Smith, professor of sociology at the University of Notre Dame. He conducted the most comprehensive study over a 16-year period of time. It's the most extensive sociological project on youth and religion ever undertaken. The sampling was over 2,013 to 17-year-olds from all over the United States. The results... Sorry. The results of this study were this. The results were that when children enter into college, we've always believed that when children enter into, into state-run schools, state-run colleges, that they would fall away from the church. But this study actually said just the opposite. It actually said that when children enter into college, state-run colleges, the percentage actually went up of the children that stayed in church. But when, but when scholars and educators, when, when they started looking at this study, they're scratching their head, and they're like, well, that doesn't make sense because children are leaving the church in the college age group. So that doesn't really make sense. So the, so the study has... His, uh, the results of his study, it didn't really make sense until they talked to him. And this is what he said. He said, we did look at which teenagers are the ones that are most likely to say religion and science or evolution can integrate together and are not in conflict with one another. Which teenagers are the ones who had the combination of answers that said it can all work together? The kids that went to private Protestant schools. So this is what he, so this is, so this is the gist of the study. The gist of the study is, is the children that enter into college and science and evolution being taught and, 
and that, that draw away from their belief of creation and Christianity were the ones that grew up going to church schools. The other kids fell away. Children from Christian homes that attend state-run schools already believe that scientific facts disagree with religion. And by the end of their junior high school or beginning of high school years, they are already gone, even before they enter college. Overwhelmingly, these people will cite science, read evolution, as the reason they don't believe in the Bible. The majority never received effective teaching on creation apologetics. So I'm just sharing with you the evidence. I'm just sharing with you the truth. It, it, this, is, this, is, this is just the way that it is, is. There are campuses that have good Christian teachers, but they're not Adventists, and they're not teaching the truth. And, this, and a lot of the biology teachers and science teachers and sociology teachers a lot of them are, are, are teaching evolution. And believe this, in my research, I found that there's actually Christian clubs on college campuses that, that they, they, they have mixed evolution and creation. And, 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 and they actually believe that the two, that, that the two can go together. And it, I mean, it's, it's Babylon. It's Babylon is what it is. Why does it take so long? Okay. Less than 1% of college students attend a Christian college or university. 50% of evangelicals abandon their faith their first year at secular colleges, and and 75 to 80% lose interest or go into a cocoon with regards to their faith at secular colleges. And I can relate to this. I had a Christian upbringing. But when I went to public school, I didn't, I didn't find myself witnessing to my cowboy friends who, you know, chewed tobacco and everything else. You know, it, it, I'm a strong person, but I'm not that strong. I'm not that strong. So when you take a child out of church school and you put them in public school, doomed. I'm just telling you, this is the way it is. The statistics, they speak for themselves. They speak for themselves. And you don't want to put them in any Christian school because any Christian school is, is, is not the same as an Adventist school. An Adventist school is teaching biblical principles. It's teaching the truth. It isn't Babylon. When I was... When I, when I was living in Reading, and I was going to Simpson College, and it's there at Simpson College where I started to turn my way back, or God started to turn my, my way back to, uh, to Him. I started attending all these Sunday churches. I, I kid you not, I can't even tell you how many Sunday churches I attended over a two-year period of time. As, when I was going to Simpson College, it's, it's a non-denominational Christian college. And it was actually, it was actually in my Acts class that I, that I, that Sabbath came up one, one evening in class and, and, uh, it, it was, it was then that I actually, you know, 
had a better foundation and an understanding of the Sabbath because I went and talked to the professor because the professor stood up there and he said, you know, that, that the, this is what he said. He said, he said, Saturday is the Sabbath, he says, but it doesn't matter. He said, it doesn't matter what day you keep as the Sabbath as long as you keep a Sabbath day. And I was just like, I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought about the Sabbath in years. And I just sat there and I went, wow, that doesn't make any sense. And so I went and I talked to him in his office the next day. And this is what he told me. He said, you know, he said, he said, the seventh day Adventists actually have it right. They keep the seventh day Sabbath. He says, but I don't think it's a salvation issue. That's what he said. What does the Bible say about Christian education? Well, let's look at Daniel. The story of Daniel. Those of you that aren't familiar with the story of Daniel, um, Jerusalem, the, the kingdom of Judah, they had fallen way away from God. And God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to go in there and take over. And so he went in there and he captured the, uh, the king of Judah. Um, i trying to think of his name. Anyway, uh, captured the king of Judah, and along with the king of Judah came all these kids, all these people. Daniel was a teenager at that time, and so were his three Hebrew friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And what happened was, after they were captured, the king said, I want you to fatten these, I want you to fatten these kids up. I want you to feed them and, drink, and give them drink, and I want you to give them everything, and then we're going to test them. And so then they did that. So... In verse 6, it says, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Why is it taking so long? In Daniel 1.20, it, after, so, so what happened was, was Daniel went to the chief eunuch, and he said, look, he goes, I don't want to, I don't want to eat this stuff. I don't want to eat the meat. I don't want to drink the king's, the king's wine. I, I just, I want to have vegetables and water. Me and my friends. That's all we want. Vegetables and water. Now, how do you think they knew that vegetables and water was going to be the best diet for them? Because they had a Christian education. They had a Christian education. So he talked the chief eunuch into giving them vegetables and water. And that's what they had. Vegetables and water. And then after the time period, in verse 20, it says, And in all matters, they tested them. And in all matters, wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Christian education at its finest, right? Vegetables and water, ten times better. Now, I got to thinking about this this week. Ten times is a pretty high bar, isn't it? Ten times. I mean, to, to be ten times better than, than everybody else, that's a pretty high bar. But it just, it, it just shows you what we can achieve when we follow God's Word. When we follow God's Word. Moses preached one of the longest sermons ever, right before he died. It's the book of Deuteronomy. In that book, Moses mentions six different times about teaching the children. 
I want to look at one of those. One of those times. One of those six times. In Deuteronomy 6-7, it says, You shall teach them, meaning God's words, diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. This word teach actually means to sharpen. Actually means to sharpen. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. It's an ongoing thing. Now, we all know today that parents have to work. Now, my wife and I, we, we put our children through Adventist education, and we both worked. And I know that you have to, you have to work. And, 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 and I, I understand that. I understand that. What this is saying is that all day, all the time, this has to be done. Diligently, you have to be teaching your children. My friends, the only way that this can take place is in a church school setting. Because you're not with them all day. You, you can't be with your kids all day, right? I mean, 40 hours plus, they're in school. And, it, and, if, and if they're in a church school, then this is taking place. This is taking place. This is the message that God gave Moses to teach these children so that they would succeed. This is the same message that we are to teach our children today so that they succeed. All the ch- every, ch- every child that comes in through those doors are, are our responsibility. And, and, and I want to thank this church for being so supportive, so supportive of, of the school. This church is amazing. The support, thank you. Thank you. And the only way that this can happen is to be with your kids all the time. Now, if, now if, you're, if you're fortunate enough where you can be with your kids all the time and you can do this, then that's awesome. But I would say that 99% of the families don't fit into that mold and they need to have this daily godly instruction every day, all day. There's... Uh, there's something I want to point out, and, and if I haven't pointed that out today, um, I want to do it right now. I am not saying that the intellectual education part isn't important, like the spiritual part in, 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 in education. Our Adventist schools, I think, are, are, are well-balanced. I think they do both. And, and you saw the cognitive Genesis study, and so you could see that 800 schools... It's a pretty good. It's a it's a pretty good um, um, sample. Thank you. It's a pretty good sample of children, and they're all ranking in the seventieth percentile or six six sixty seven seventy percentile. Does the education part come? Yes, it does come. We have doctors. We have dentists. We have a roaming mic. I've asked, uh, I've asked Mark Mulder, um, to share real quick. 
And I've also asked Steve Muller. I don't, I don't know where the mics are. They were up here. There we go. Thank you, Aaron. So, Mark, how many years of Adventist education do you have? All depends on how you count it. Okay. <laughs> but um, 20, well, I was formally in school. 20? Um, and then six more years as of medical training at Loma Linda University. Wow. In the, in the, after I received my doc, MD. And now your dad, Stan, he's an Adventist educator, right? 30 years. 30 years as an Adventist educator, a teacher. Amen. So, just brief, what, what are your thoughts on Adventist education? I think it's been a real blessing in my life. I know that one of the reasons my dad went into Adventist education was so that I could get an Adventist education. Oh. We were living in the middle of Texas, and there was, you know, weren't a lot of opportunities there for Adventist education. And looking at me and my sister, and, you know, I think the best way to get these kids an Adventist education would be for me to be an Adventist education. And uh, so I grew up on, you know, around Adventist education and... I think one of the real blessings is that you have the opportunity to have godly role models. You have the opportunity to be a part of uh, activities that fit with your idea of what is right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not being asked to go to football games on a Friday night, mm-hmm. uh, dances on Saturday night, or, or dances on Friday night, or you know, it's things that. Instead of saying, I can't go, you say, great, I'll be there. I'm, yeah. It's part of what you're doing. And so that really, as you go along, that bill gives, makes it a lot easier for the student to stay on the, stay on the right track. Right. Thank you. Awesome. Steve. Yes. Now, Steve, how many years of evidence education do you have? I unfortunately had a kindergarten and internship <laughs> in a secular institutions, but I had 22 years. Praise total. God. Yes. So how do you feel about evidence education? You know, I really did not appreciate what was being given to me, the blessing at the time. I had no idea the ways in which it would influence my life, the remainder of my life. Uh, I was just doing what my parents told me how to do. and uh, But along the course, I learned, in my opinion, three important things. One, I believe I was inoculated against the myths that exist in our secular culture, and I'm specifically referring to origins. Hmm. I knew that the explanation of our origins found in secular culture in secular schools was false. Hmm. And uh, I had the answers. They were given to me over the years. It was something that just rubbed off. And I knew that I could never go to that place and believe it. The second thing that uh, I believe was a great gift was seeing the influence of godly people, and Mark alluded to that, but seeing also people who had been train wrecks and what God had done in their lives. Being exposed to that sort of thing 
on a year-to-year basis had a powerful influence, and I knew that God was alive, real, and worked in people's lives, that he could change even my own life. Um, I think the third thing was the reliability, the authenticity, the integrity of Scripture, Hmm. that this book was an extraordinary book in many ways, and that it could be used in uh, for any purpose, spiritual purpose that you sought. You could find truth in this book. Hmm. Okay. And that is not available in the secular culture. And I think those are the three most important things that my experience in Christian education had. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Lauren and I went to school together. At, at the church school up in Paso Robles, he was lucky because he lived in Paso Robles and so he never had to experience the school bus. Uh, Aaron, you want to give it to, uh, to Lauren? Lauren, real quick, can you just share? Um, now, by the way, I haven't mentioned, but uh, Dr. Mulder, he's an anesthesiologist and, and Steve Mulder, he's an anesthesiologist and Lauren Kirk, he's a dentist and you might have to just, you know, how could Adventist education be so bad if these guys can be so successful in, in, in life and their education? Lauren? Malin, I did ride the school bus. I was the last one on it, and it took me about uh, 12 funny. blocks, I think. <laughs> yeah. It was warmed up by then. Right, yeah. <laughs> what was your question? What, is your, what are your thoughts on Adventist education? Well, I was exposed to both Adventist and secular education. There was one year that our church school shut down, and mm-hmm. so we had to go to public school. Yep, me too. Uh, made a lot of friends there and saw a lot of things that uh, were certainly not the way I wanted to go. And the only reason I knew that is because of the education of my parents and the background of my school education. Amen. And then in, uh, in applying to Monterey Bay Academy... Uh, Then at Monterey Bay Academy, they didn't accept me the first year because they said I was a little bit too uh, rambunctious, I guess. So I had to go to Pastor Robles High School. And I don't I, remember that at all. Oh, yeah. And I learned a lot there. Uh, what I definitely did not, what direction I definitely did not want to go. And um, But from a- after that, it was Adventist education through high school and then college. And then mm. Loma Linda, I but I, I enjoyed the the like um, Mark was saying. You didn't have to explain to people when you're in an Adventist environment, yeah. like I did when I was in public high school and some of public college. You know why I wouldn't be there? Right. Um, not that that was bad. It was actually an opportunity. Uh, just like it is today, when people ask me just yesterday to come out and help them do something. Out at the airport, I I had an opportunity then to share with them. No, this is uh, not the direction I'm going. It's I'll be in church with my family. Next question. That's it. Okay. Thank you. I I love Adventist education. I hope my grandchildren can go through it. Thank you. I appreciate that, Steve. 
one second. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Malin. I just have to say one more thing. I, I, I apologize, because it's your sermon. But uh, one of the things that shocked me the most when I got done with my training and going out and working in the secular workplace is that the Loma Linda trained physicians, in my opinion, were superior on many ways to the non uh, Loma Linda physicians. Now you're going to say, oh, Steve, yeah, you went to Loma Linda. You're just honking your own horn. No, I, I, I commented on it to my instructor back at Loma Linda. He says, like, he says you know, we uh, don't have to apologize for any of our students. There is something there at Loma Linda that makes professionals think and behave differently. Even the ones who don't aren't active on a, you know, spiritually active. They have something different in their training. It's so subtle, I can't describe it, but it's very real. And the numbers that you were talking about, I just have to say that those numbers are real. That's the experience that I've seen out yeah. there. Thank you. You know, Ron, uh, Dr. Chalker, he's also a dentist, went to Adventist Education, as he alluded to earlier, and, and he made a comment that I want to comment on. He said that if he didn't go to Adventist schools, he probably wouldn't be a dentist. Deuteronomy 6-7 is the model that we have to have for our children every day. I didn't have that. I didn't have that. I only had that until the seventh grade. Your formable years go all the way up through high school. I didn't have that. Had I had that, if I would have went to Adventist education, my dad was a corpsman in, in, in Korea. My, my uncle was a corpsman in Vietnam. I probably would have been a doctor or a dentist. So if Ron said, you know, if he didn't go to Adventist school, he probably wouldn't be a dentist. If I would have went to Adventist school, maybe I would have been a dentist. <laughs> Reasons for Adventist education. This may surprise you. It introduces students to a Bible as a framework for thinking and evaluating. It introduces our young people to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and someone they want to have a relationship with. Adventist schooling at its best leads a person to a lifelong dedication of service to others. You may not realize this, but Adventist education is for this right here. Doctor, 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 is Adventist education a good education? Yeah, but their primary focus of Adventist education is this. It's to prepare them to have a relationship with Jesus. It's to prepare them to be dedicated servants of others. It's to prepare them for the kingdom. What good would it do? What good would it do to send them to the very, very best school if they're just going to leave the church? It makes my heart sad when I think about all the children that left church school and went to public school. Because I know what public school's like. I know that... I, and, and you know what? I pray for all the children. And, and, and I know that 
It's not always easy, you know, making the sacrifices, you know, for Adventist education. I know that. I understand that. I did that. I'm a parent. I understand. But it's that sacrifice that puts value on Adventist education. I read something this week from an Adventist parent, and I want to share it with you. This is what she said. She said, I think one of the biggest problems is that people are focusing on keeping up with the Joneses and not focusing on preparing their children for the kingdom. And what's happened is people get involved in the world in too many, in too many easy ways. And they want to, and, 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 you know, their neighbor bought a boat. Well, we're going to buy a boat. You know, and, and you, we're going to go out to the lake. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I'm not saying you can't have fun. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But sacrifices come with a cost. They do. And, 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 you know, I had a boat for my kids when, when we were growing up, but it was an old boat. And I had to work on it all the time. But I'm a pretty good mechanic, so that was okay. I didn't mind. So we still went out to the lake. We still did fun things, but we made a lot of sacrifices, a lot of sacrifices. I drove an old beat-up car that, man, I used to break down on the way to work. I used to get in trouble all the time because I was late to work because my car would break down all the time. Sacrifices. The key thing, the key thing is that our children enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's it. And, and the statistics that I've shared with you today, I didn't make these up. I didn't make these up. In the Bible, it talks about Satan searching around like a roaring lion whom he might devour. Our kids are a primary target. Do our schools have problems? Yes. Yes, our schools have problems. Do our schools struggle? Yeah. Our churches struggle. Our schools struggle. Do our schools have the same problems of public schools. Some of them. Yeah, some of them. Satan hates your child. Satan hates these children. These children that walk in through this door, and even you, by the way, if you haven't figured that out, Satan hates you too. He hates our children. And we have to pray for our children because they need this hedge of protection around them. Because if they don't have Deuteronomy 6-7, we really need to pray for them. We really do. They're our responsibility. Adventist schooling helps students to view every subject of study from the perspective of Scripture. The best education is when it is the same at school, at home, and at church. The three working together for the salvation of children. Thank you. Dear Father, we thank you for this opportunity to just look at what you have given us. I know that Adventist education is a passion of mine, and I know it's a passion of yours because you built it. It was ordained by you, it was anointed by you, and it is a continual process of improvement. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue 
to bless us and that you would help us to continually improve our program here and bless us. We ask you this in your name. Amen.